it's um, I think once you know I, I often say to people thinking about doing a long being worried about maybe doing a long passage that well you know if you've done the hop down for instance you've done from Seattle down to San Francisco so you've done a five seven day hop there once you've done that you're all set up you might as well just keep going for a longer passage you know you're in you're into the rhythm of things you're all attuned with to what you're doing um, so you don't have to stop you know just turn left instead of right and keep going or right instead of left and keep going you know and you're doing it basically five days five weeks same thing just keeping on with the routine listening to the second edition of Single Threads, a mini-episode of Why We Spin Yarns. I'm Giselle Miller, and for this episode, I spent a lovely afternoon chatting with Jean Socrates outside of a small casita in La Cruz, Nayarit, Mexico. Coming to the feeders nearby, and a really lovely day after the heavy, heavy downpour of rain that we got two days ago. <laughs> Jean is fairly well known in the cruising community, not just because she's a very well traveled female single hander, which in itself is pretty rare, but she holds the current record for being the oldest woman to circumnavigate the globe by herself. Totally alone, totally unassisted, and totally nonstop. Well, my name is Jeanne Socrates. I'm a single-hander. My boat is Nereida, a 38-foot Nayard, a Swedish boat, very sturdy. Um, I started off cruising with my husband for five years, and then after he died, I kept on sailing. And um, eventually, after a lot of cruising in the Caribbean and then over in the Pacific, I went on around the world, cruising around the world, stopping everywhere, and then eventually decided I'd try non-stop. Books are fine, but there's a line. So I decided to try the non-stop for the challenge of it, really. And, um, and then I've been trying to do a non-stop ever since. Finally managed it a few years back on my third attempt. Uh, did the non-stop, got the Guinness World Record as the oldest woman to go around non-stop and I'm still the only woman that's ever gone from North America and managed it to around non-stop. You know, I wouldn't be doing what I was doing if I didn't have total confidence in my boat that it was a good boat and she's looking after me and uh, that's certainly been true. We've been around the world together now three and a, well, two and a half times in this boat and once in the previous one. But that's yeah. right, yeah, I had my husband with me. We both learned to sail um, together. I'd say I think we started in, you know, I say when I was 48, he was five years older than me, but neither of us had done any sailing at all. We enjoyed the water and swimming, but that was it. Um, 
And then eventually in 97, by which time we were not quite, hadn't quite got to the Yachtmaster level, you know, we'd done quite a bit of sail training, let's say. Uh, we suddenly realised that both of us simultaneously were able to take early retirement, which we'd been thinking about. And um, he'd been trying to do for some time. And then funny, it, 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 was a, it was a possibility. So, oh, well, great. You know, we were thinking by then of maybe getting a second-hand boat. And then, okay, the boat show was coming up. There's this sudden, uh, unexpectedly, we're going to both be taking early retirement together simultaneously again. Um, went to the boat show and they had a boat that someone had backed out of that was in build. And so suddenly from going thinking about a second-hand one, we thought, well, it'd be great to get a new one, you know. <laughs> Unfortunately, I mean, we then, you know, we got the boat, we got it back to England, we did a bit of cruising down Spain, and then we crossed the ocean to get the Atlantic, to get to the, um, to the uh, Caribbean. And then suddenly my husband was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, in 03 he passed away. But, you know, by then we'd had, fortunately, we had, you know, luckily he did take early retirement, because at that age he would have been almost exactly retirement age normally. So by taking early retirement, you know, he'd actually had four or five years of cruising around, which he would never have had. So that turned out to have been a really good thing. You know, he died of cancer in 03. would I keep going mm-hmm. like that and um, is it uh, passion enough for me to be a single hander and continue on and I feel like I would want to like mm-hmm. if I especially if if we had we have this dream of doing the, the circle and if something happened that I, I would like I would then even feel more empowered to like, well yes because you feel as though in spirit they're doing it with you and okay, they could, and other friends actually who died of cancer, one in particular I can think of, you know, who we thought was going to come and join us, also died of cancer very unexpectedly. And I kind of think, you know, it, it's as though you're kind of doing it for them initially, you know, they've not been able to do it or finish or, uh, well, let's just keep on going and in spirit they can be there. I did scatter my husband's ashes down uh, off Klein Bonaire, which is um, on the island where he got, you know, as far as he got. I took his ashes back out and scattered them there. So he was scattered at sea with his captain's cap and, <laughs> and uh, playing yeah, a bit of Monty Python. Yeah. <laughs> There wasn't any thought of not wanting, there's no way that I wasn't going to continue being on the rider and continuing on, you know, because it was just too, too enjoyable a life. Anything, I couldn't think of anything else I would want to be doing, you know, other than that. You know, I soon learned that if I wanted to go sailing, 
I just have to learn to do it by myself because uh, if I waited for people to come and join me, it could never happen. I might just stay forever, never going anywhere. So um, that's how I started off. And I always remember coming up. I mean, eventually I went all around uh, to Cartagena, to Colombia, San Blas Islands, Panama, and on up. And I came away from Belize overnight, short tacking, quick, you know, uh, to get up the, to get up north towards Mexico. And at one point, coming past, uh, coming towards Cozumel, uh, overnight, you know, I was tacking, sailing. The boat was sailing beautifully, and. I was so, so much on a high, you know, because everything was going so beautifully and I was coping, you know, I, I didn't think about that, but I put out emails to friends saying, hey, you know, she's, she's breaking speed records, we're going really well and there's this swell, but she's doing really well and, and it was overnight and uh, one single-hander that I'd actually met in Bonaire, because I kept quizzing the single-handers that came by, how are you managing? Uh, he came back to me and said, hey, you know, it, you're, you're on a high, it's because you're coping, you suddenly realise that things are going well and you're managing the boat okay, you know, so it, it was uh, quite, that was quite a high point, you know, to, do, to be, have that feeling, it was so exhilarating, just amazing. It wasn't long after that Jeanne started to come into her own as a female skipper. She sailed Narida around the Caribbean, back to Florida, and then relocated the boat to British Columbia in order to access both Alaskan and BC cruising grounds. My big question for Jeanne was, how does a female single-hander, a new female single-hander like herself, go from casually cruising, or gun-calling as we like to call it, to non-stop record-breaking sailing around the world. Yeah, well, I say it kind of happened gradually. I mean, I'm getting used to being single-handing. I did the race, which was great preparation. That race was the single-hander Transpac, which goes from San Francisco to Hawaii, which she completed successfully, and then continued on to Sitka, Alaska, to make her northern Pacific loop. Why are we here? Well, aren't we supposed to be girdling the earth or something like that, you know? Um, I suppose we're supposed to be keeping on going west. I was enjoying going up and down so much and making so many friends. It was always difficult to leave places when you made friends there. And uh, so I thought, well, I don't know, maybe I'll try and get around quickly and get back to BC quickly. So I was going to try and go around in a year. It just felt more, you know, it was just more of what I'd been doing really, but I was going in a different direction. And I was looking forward to the sailing. What I didn't appreciate actually until it happened was actually, again, the people side of things. That because my first going around was actually not non-stop, was stopping everywhere, Marquesas, Tahiti, or Tuamotu, Tahiti, all the rest of it. Everywhere you go, you're meeting up with people and people are being helpful. You're helping them, they're helping you, you're making new friends. Um, you know, I suddenly realized what an important aspect that was. And of course, you're seeing how people where you are are living, like, say, in Vanuatu. And you see these people and you think, wow, I mean, there's no way that they can make jump to your kind of education and upbringing and professional life, if you like, from, where, you know, from what they've got. And yet, in a way, they're happy with what they've got. You know, their life is relatively okay, hurricanes and bad illnesses apart. 
then you suddenly realise, you know, what, what kind of conditions they're living in and how lucky you are. Half reflected light. You feel as though you've got your own little nest that's ticked with you, your own little home that's going with you across the oceans, wherever they are. I mean, I feel that really in the Southern Ocean. I mean, the Southern Ocean is just an amazing place to be. I feel really privileged to be down there and be in my little boat and uh, watching the albatrosses and the other birds and the big seas. And you think, wow, you know, how privileged I am. Because how many other people are able to be down there and experience that? It's just an amazing place. You know, I love it. Well, the, the, when I actually achieved my non-stop finally at my third attempt, you know, going around and having to stop in places, it took me eight and a half months, 259 days at sea, uh, not uh, not getting getting being on land in anywhere in the meantime. So that was my, obviously my longest passage. Oh yeah, it's much more difficult doing a lot of day, uh, you know, of short passages, you know, because you're, you're just about. I mean, there are people who regularly cruisers I meet up with who regularly say, "Oh yeah, we're always seasick for the first day or so, but we know we're going to get over it, and then we're we're fine because we're doing a longer passage. So now we're going to be able to enjoy it." Uh, well, if you're doing lots and lots of short hops you're going to be into the situation where you're never really enjoying it. You know, because if you are seasick every time you start off, and then you've only got a day or so before you've got onto shore again, that's no fun, you know. But uh, whereas the long passages, yeah, it's much more enjoyable. Yeah, so I can sleep. Theoretically, I could actually have a six-hour sleep overnight often in the Southern Ocean because there are no ships. No one is around, you know, almost all the time. Um, but you don't. You know, you go down, you have a sleep. If I'm, if I'm worried about something, I'll set a stopwatch to wake me up and then I can relax and know that it will wake me. I won't just keep on sleeping when I don't want to. On how to fly we're always learning, right? That's the thing I love about the sailing. You do the same passage over and over, and every time it's different. And every time you're learning something different about something or other. It's great. You're listening to A Single Thread, a mini-episode of Why We Spin Yarns, featuring Jean Socrates. I'm Giselle Miller. Why We Spin Yarns is a traveling podcast project featuring stories of sailors and those who live their lives on or around the ocean. This episode was recorded and edited just outside of Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, in La Cruz. If you would like to learn more about Jeanne's sailing accomplishments and her circumnavigations, she has a wonderful website with all that information at svnarida.com. Music in this episode features songs by Les Hayden, M. Shanghai String Band, and some guitar picking by Juno friend David Reed. All songs are listed on the Why We Spin Yarns blog at sednastories.com. Thanks for listening.